It's the fear of the fuck fear. It's face it, understand it, meaning look at it, do the research. And now you might go, if we go back to your investment in other in other people to 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 grow and find the most efficient path towards your goals. And you go, okay, I discussed this with my wife. We're taking this money. We're doing this. We're doing that. It's not like startle flinch fear. It's, it's, you know, responsible fear. Hey guys, check out the 2023 Street Cop Conference, April 23rd through the 28th, Gaylord Convention Center. It's going to be the event of the year. Keynote speakers include Rob O'Neill, the guy who killed Bin Laden, Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living Medal of Honor recipient, Navy SEAL Jason Redmond, Fox News host Tommy Laren, Marine Corps Special Forces and Leadership Coach Cody Alford, Sheriff Wayne Ivey, Sheriff David Clark, and Sheriff Mark Lamb. It's going to be one hell of an event. And on top of that, we have all of our instructors and additional instructors from other companies going to be at the event, giving you everything they know for you to have a successful career and get the results you want to get in the field as a police officer. On top of attending the event, you'll get face-to-face time with every instructor attending the event, and all the keynote speakers will spend time with you. we got special events all week, giveaways, nightlife. It's going to be really, really worth your time, energy, and effort. I promise you, you will not regret it for a second. To register for the conference, check out streetcop.com, click conference, and everything you need will be there on the homepage. If you are looking for a room, just click book a room. The block has been sold out at the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. But there are many hotels nearby within a walking distance of the event. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. We will see you there. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino, and today we have with us a legend in the law enforcement field. He's been around since the 70s. A lot of you know who he is. He developed the Spear system on top of many other things. He's been a big contributor to the safety and well-being of law enforcement. None other than Tony Blauer, and I appreciate you being here. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This one's going to be a great one. How do you feel at 62, bro? Like, How do you physically feel at 62? Tell me about that. So what's crazy is I just finished a workout with this guy from Canada. He's developed a, uh, this isometric system called Isofit. And I've been dealing with uh, uh, crazy nerve pain. I got, um, I had, I sustained a neck injury uh, experimenting with martial arts back in the eight, since 1986, I've had neck issues, got shin kicked in the head, trying something and and uh, I've been to everybody all over the world. Nobody can fix it. So, you know, as an aging athlete, you know, like everyone develops stenosis in their spine. Mine's pretty bad because of internally rotated shoulders. I spent most of my life is in this position and you're not supposed to like, that's not your that's not humans are supposed to stand right. Your posture is supposed to, you know, spine, you know, all the shit as an athlete. So I've had all this crazy pain. And a few years ago, um, I went for a run about four or five years ago and my fingertips went numb Ooh. and, and I, I bent down and I started crying. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Cause it wasn't like, like numb your, your ice. I grew up in Canada, Montreal. So not too far from Jersey, you know, you're out in the snow walking around and you know, your thumb goes numb, your finger goes numb, but you know, it's the cold, right? This was like, I live in Southern California right now. Your fingertips don't go numb running. And uh, I went for an MRI and it was like stenosis spine. They wanted to operate. I was like, whoa, whoa, slow slow down. Um, My life in the last five years has changed a lot because of pain. Uh, There's things I can't do. I haven't lifted a weight in five years. It's amazing that I've retained any mass. 
But you I'm, look good. Thank you. You're hitting on me again, buddy. So it's it's weird because you know the the all the all the the memes and the maxims. Nobody's coming to save you. You're the first responder in your fight. Blah blah blah. Nobody cares. Stop complaining. I'm one of those guys. I I fucking complain all the time, but I also do shit all the time. Like I get up and I go, fuck, I can't believe my back. I can't believe like getting out of bed. Oh, I got to be careful getting out of bed. And and I think about organizing my body to get up so I don't just jump out of bed and then fucking throw something out. Uh, it's 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 a cliche. I will say this. Um, I started to talk about this guy Brad who developed this this isometric contraption called Isofit. Uh, I just finished a private session with him. He's the founder, and uh, um, and I feel fucking amazing. My energy, like we just did this shit for uh, sp- uh, spinal strength and pelvis. And he said this interesting thing because I know my pelvis is fucked up from like I mean I have no idea how many kicks I've thrown and how many times I've you know pulled things or torn things or whatever. And I've always got hip and leg pain. If your pelvis uh, isn't balanced and strong, there's no way your spine can be. And he explained it in a way as like so obvious because it's it's like it's like if your grip is fucked up, there's no way the bullet shoots straight. I mean, it's like your 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 spine sits in your pelvis. And if your pelvis is twisted or you got an anterior uh, tilt, it's going to affect your spine. And then you've got all these compensation patterns. It's going to affect everything. Anyways, I'm, in case you can't tell my energy level, I was like, I just did this 20-minute isometric thing on this contraption, and I feel taller. And this is like one 20-minute session. Uh, so uh, the answer is, is uh, how am I feeling? I'm in constant pain, which is depressing. Uh, and and but but I realize the only the only way that and re- listen, everyone listening to the show uh, is an aging athlete. Right. And and there's nobody if you're I'm assuming that most of your demographic are law enforcement, public safety. Uh, I would think a majority. But, you know, we got a big audience. So it's crazy, man. Because now I'm like now I go out in public and I'm like, people are like, yo, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know who you are. And I'm like, where do you work? They're like fucking New Jersey Transit. And I'm like, are you a cop? And they're like, no, I'm a fucking bus driver. Like I listen to your shit all the time. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Awesome. That is. Yeah. That is so. Cool. So, yeah. But I still think that overall we. I would imagine we we attract law enforcement, conservative, um, and sure. maybe there's some people uh, listening in because they have such an important life that they got to be liberal lunatics to try to hear what we're talking about instead right. of contributing to the fucking making world. making notes. Anyways, uh, you know, living with pain is no joke. And and what what I was getting at is anybody, any tactical athlete has to learn to live with pain. If you're out there doing stuff, you know, and it's not the uh, you know, earn your scars, bullshit. It's like, like I, you mean, you know, I've been training uh, cops since 1993, almost full time. Uh, I've been training military since 1993, almost full time. You know, I closed my school in Montreal in the early 90s because I started getting all these requests to do seminars all over the world. And I was like, there's no way I could do both. And I haven't met a single person who's been in any time that doesn't have a neck, shoulder, knee, back, something that they're, they're, they're working around. So uh, my son is 32 now. He's a, a, a fitness, nutrition, mobility coach in Los Angeles. 
and um, uh, he grew up in the golden era of of stability, mobility. Like, I don't. How, how old are you, Dennis? I'll be forty two this year. Unfortunately, okay, cool. You look you look really hot for forty two. I don't. Know, obviously, you're. Obviously, you've had like you know Botox and plastic surgery. Dude, honestly, you no bullshit tones. So, so people people come to my house at times and they're like. I'll catch people staring at my face and I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, you really don't get Botox, do you? And I'm like, no, dude. Um, but I will say this. I always looked very young as a kid and I hated it then, even as a long, and I got on the job when I was 19. Right. Uh, so I looked like a baby, right? Um, and I wanted to look older. Young. And yeah. now I try to tell people, you know, listen, because I got to tell you 40 when you're out and you meet people, I'm like, what are you, 28, 29? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm actually 41. They're like, no fucking way. Yeah. Uh, drives my wife insane. Uh, actually, what's even more fun is that my wife is nine years younger than me, and I'll play this game. Uh, I'm like, so how do you think we are? And I'm like, I don't know, you guys like both like 31, 32? And, or they'll say like, <laughs> she's older, you're like two years younger than her. And I'm like, oh my God, that's got to hurt. This right? is, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I was planning on having sex tonight and now not, right? Um, yeah, no, that, no, it, it's, it's, it's great. And I was, I don't, I kind of scruffy right now, but, but I, I like you had, had those, uh, genetics where, you know, people bump into me and go, you don't age. I mean, I looked, I've, I've run into or through Facebook or whatever, reconnected with people I went to school with and they look, they look terrible, right? Yeah. But oh, a lot dude, of it I'm is, a lot of it is like, um, and this is an interesting thing. Uh, there's a motivational speaker. He's long since uh, uh, passed away named Wayne Dwyer. And he, um, he had these three questions he would talk about. He'd say one of them was, uh, if you didn't know where you lived and you looked at every place in the world to, that you could live, where would you want to live and why aren't you living there? Number That's two, if you looked at all the jobs in the world, what job would you want to do and why aren't you doing that? And then... The third one was, if you looked in the mirror and you didn't know how old you were, how old would you think you were? And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people from Jersey and, and they love it, where other people who will think, call it a shithole, right? You know, uh, and, and, and I just say, I, I just say that because we fall in love with the place we grow up and our, the tribe and the family and the friends, and this is home. And, and so anywhere can be home. But for, I'm, I'm assuming that you're still in law enforcement. There was something that made you want to be a cop uh, and, and, and you're a good cop and you figured out shit and you're an entrepreneur and you, you know, this is your home and you're doing what you love and you look like you're 12, right? So all three of those, those, those questions for me, uh, when, when I, I came, I grew up in Montreal and I came to California when I was like 12, 13 with my dad, my parents had just gotten divorced, but I grew up in the sixties watching every action TV show. TV was going from black and white to color. And I, I grew up watching uh, Robert Conrad in the original wild, wild west, Mike Connors in Mannix, uh, streets of San Francisco. And every, every guy got the girl and they knew how to fight. That was my culture, right? Violence solves everything. You got to be better than the bad guy, you know, you know, good over evil. And uh, when I got to California, as soon as I got off the airplane, I remember thinking as a 12, 12 or 13, 
smelling the air, seeing Santa Monica, the beach landing. I went, oh my God, I saw this on all these TV shows. I felt like I was coming home. And I said to myself, I'm going to live here one day. And I always wow. wanted to live here, even though, you know, uh, like people shit on California and and it's it's a fucked up state, but the whole, the world's fucked up and the, the U- US is fucked up and the world is fucked up. That's a whole other conversation. Um, if you, if, so I knew I wanted to live here when I, when I was 12, I got jumped by two guys, uh, and, uh, kind of a welcome to high school greeting. They beat me up. I, I navigated that violence, went to my dad, said, Hey, I just got beaten up, uh, you know, leaving a game on a Sunday by some kids from the high school. He said, Oh, you got to learn to, to fight. You got to learn to defend yourself. A guy had wrestled, but back then nobody you know back back then wrestling wasn't like part of mixed martial art it was like a sport right so you didn't think of it in those sense in that sense uh but there's only one school a taekwondo school near me and i went there and i fell in love with it and i thought i made this connection that if i learn to defend myself i won't feel fear and i'll be able to handle all problems not entirely true but the path the the the, the hypothesis is true uh by the time I was 15, so after like maybe three years of like training seven fucking days a week, I would get out of bed in the morning. My alarm would go off for school. I'd pull, you remember, do you ever, you know what a Mackie war is? It's a Japanese term. It's like a beanbag field filled uh, uh, sack that you would smash your knuckles in to toughen your hands. So like even as a 13 year old, I'd have that under my bed. The alarm would go off. I'd roll out and I'd start wailing on that. You know, get her. I'd be before I before I went and took a leak. I'd already done you know seventy five uh, uh, push ups and doing kicks down the hall as a fanatic. When I was fifteen years old, this is a true story verbatim. My mom says to me, "I'm on the floor trying to work on the splits. I'm looking at Bruce Lee magazines." She says, uh, "Hey, sweetheart, uh, next year you graduate high school, and now you got to start thinking of what you're going to do with your life. Do you want to be a, a, a literally? You want to go into the family business? You want to be an astronaut?" a vet, a police officer, a firefighter. There were only like five careers back in the seventies. And, um, and I looked at her and I said, mom, I'm, school's really not going to be a, a big thing for me. Cause I'm going to be a, a famous martial artist like Bruce Lee. And she pat me on the head and she goes, okay, dear, we'll talk about this when you're older. I knew when I was 15, that this is all I wanted to do was, was practice and teach self-defense. And, um, and that long rambly story ties back to the the Wayne Dwyer questions. Where do you want to live? What do you want to do? And if you looked in the mirror, how, how old you know, do you, would you think you are? And I think that that if, I think if we inspired kids and people to think like that, the world would be a better place. Anyways, a little rant. I think if anybody, I think, I think now more than ever, people are subscribing to that. Um, you sure. know, where there's, there's less fear. And I got to be honest with you, I think, a lot of that has to do with the internet. And I don't mean the sense of like, you're watching one guy do it, so you're going to do it. I think that now we don't need to be somewhere to do something. And it gives us the ability to choose where we are to be able to do something from afar. I mean, even for me, at some point, I'd like to be able to wake up in the morning, walk out into a beautiful Caribbean villa and feel, if you could imagine, the cold air conditioning, almost like on vacation, dude. You know, that's... That like that feeling when you're on vacation yep. and the fucking villa you're in is like ice cold and you open the doors and sit out and you have coffee on the balcony. I'd like to do that every day and work on a laptop. Um, you know, and I'm reverse engineering what that looks like in the sense people don't don't get it confused. Your boy here is not fucking retiring. What I'm saying is 
that's actually how I'm going to work better in my mind, maybe three days a week. So I've got to figure out what that looks like. I mean, I'll probably work till um, my kids will say, when are you going to retire? Like my kids are like, retire next year so you can spend all the time with us. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm maybe 85. I might consider it. I'm not even bold. Like my friends, you know, now we're, everybody's retiring, right? So now I'm the guy that all my friends are getting close to retirement. They're beginning to retire. They're the big bosses now. And uh, like, yeah, no, I'm going to fucking pull the trigger. I'm like, guys, we're f- like, we're 42, 43, 44, 45. You can work a, con- a whole nother career. You got 25, at least another 25 to do before you're going to hang it up. So in these last three years of your career, I want you to start thinking about what you're going to do in your next career. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you can do anything you want. Like, I have a friend of mine who's like, I feel like I wasted all this time because I could have done more. I'm like, bro, you're 42. Right. Guess what? Right. You've got another 40 fucking years of figuring out what you're going to do and actually tapping into your potential. So stop listening to the idiots next to you and start thinking about what your future is going to be. You get a whole second chance at life to redeem yourself. Don't look at my journey. It's just my journey. This is my story. If sure. it inspires you, great. Right. So he's my one of my best friends. He shows his kids my videos. They're like, they love the fact that I'm this guy. And um, and I, and I adore these kids. They, they call me, you know, he's my best friend. He's my daughter's godfather. Um, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, you, you know, my story may be something that like your kids look up to. They like that uncle Dennis is on YouTube and TikTok and fucking Instagram and this all the bullshit, but it's my story, right? If it inspires you to have to just do something, don't make yourself mad. Cause I did something and you didn't, you did a lot, dude. Like you've done so much in your life. It's so admirable what you've achieved. Stop comparing and but just start thinking about where I want to shift my life. Dude, right now, I'm not lying to you. I'm sitting here and in the next month, I'm hoping I have some kind of significant moment that I'm really thoroughly searching for where I understand what my role is here now um, because it's not what it once was. It is now shifted and changing. Uh, and that's an interesting thing that I'm literally spending all my energy on trying to figure out what that looks like. And, and I'm actually paying some big dollar figures to get that assessed from people who have made significantly more advancements in business than I have uh, to, for them to say, what do you think? I just want to say to people like, what do you think I should be doing? Mm. Right. That's, that's where I know I'm at a point now where I've got to start making sure the shit that I'm doing is the right things. Right. You can always say, oh, this is the right thing, but I want the best things. What should I be doing more than anything and work that backwards? Tell me what that looks like if we're going to try to make this thing what I what I envision it to be. So um, even me, I'm still finding myself at 42 years old, going on 42. I hate to fucking say that, 41. Um, I don't want to make myself any older, but like, you know, so, I mean, you're a guy who's 62. You're on a fucking podcast. You got a thing in the background that says, fuck fear. People can't see that. You picked up a, I'm imagining some kind of uh, prop gun to like, you look like you're fucking 50. Yeah. I mean, biologically, you look like you're about 55. Uh, Come on. Well, the only reason is the beard, bro. It's the fucking beard. My my father-in-law said shave. And and, and I was, I was, I was, I was going to, I've been. You know, I, I shaved yesterday, and this is just overnight. What happens. That's your fault because your your hair comes in gray. See, dude, that's where I, where I get away with a lot too. Is I'm a little thin, right? You can't see because I have long hair, but a little bit. The popping propecia for fucking 15, 17 years. 
but uh, I don't have any grays, dude. Even my right. dad, my grandfather, they never have any gray hair. Everybody, they have no hair, but whatever hair's left right. has retained its pigmentation. Where a lot of my friends now are like silver fucking foxes. So next to them, they have baby faces, but they got the gray hair, bro. That's the dead right. giveaway, you know? It changes, yeah. Um, no, I hear you, man. And listen, like listening to your your dream your vision your mission and all that it, it'll 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 come together and uh offline i can you know share some I- ideas for you because part of it is um there's there's a danger i've discovered like like every chapter in our journey is literally a chapter and the story can completely change, right? And so what you wanted to do when you were 10 in terms of your fears, uh, your dreams, your vision as a 10-year-old, of a 15-year-old, as a 20-year-old, as a 20, they change. So careful of, you know, locking something down, particularly, you know, if you paid somebody to go, let me help you do it like a, like a vision quest. And and this is, you know, unless, unless you go like, that's fucking it. Right. So for me, all I wanted to do is teach self-defense. There's a Latin expression that's been my guiding light. Key Dosset, Deset, those who teach learn. And I've gotten really fucking good in my craft because I teach every week. Still to this day, I teach four times a week live, plus uh, privates, plus discretionary groups around the world bring me in. Um, you know, we've got a big course going on in, in Toronto. My director of training up there is up there teaching it now. Uh, you know, we were in the UAE last month. We we're I've got a course That's coming awesome, up in the UK. I mean, we're all over the world, uh, and we're like a boutique still. We're not like a, a big company, but. But I don't teach these things. So in, people are like, oh, you don't teach? What do you mean? No. So my, there was a year I did 280 days on the road teaching, building my company. Uh, and then I started to bring on people and mentor people to teach because our our spear system can't be taught as a technique. It's not a technique, it's a system. And, and it and it blends neurobiology and neuroscience, physiology, uh, and then scenario. And then, uh, you, you know, not just how do you protect yourself emotionally and psychologically, the resilience piece, but then how do you defend yourself against sudden violence, which, which needs to be addressed completely different than any martial art does, which is block-based training versus brain-based training. And then post-fight, how do you defend? We call this the three fights. The first fight is between you and you. Second fight is between you and the threat. Third fight is you, internal affairs and mainstream media, the narrative, your your boss who really wants to be the mayor. He's he's no longer a cop, but he still wears a uniform and he's thinking politically. And you're like, oh, fuck, right? There's so many little micro fights inside the big battle, inside the war. I, even to this day at 62, although some people think I look 55, uh, the, um, that was a joke, everybody. Thank you. Uh, um, is it, there's no video. This is just audio. So they can't see my gray hair, right? This will run as a video as well. Um, damn it. Okay. So, um, uh, the, uh, the, the point I'm trying to make here or part of the point I'm trying to make here is that 
when my mom asked me when I was 15 what I wanted to do, I wanted to teach self-defense. I hardly teach self-defense anymore, but I still love what I do. In other words, the chapter, the story has evolved. Now what I'm doing is I'm mentoring a team. I've able to, uh, with the control of a boutique, as opposed to like, like a giant conglomerate where we go, oh, you know, we've, like I've been asked over the years where, where you know, somebody who trained with me, uh, um, let's say, a, a decade ago or trained with me like on v 911 i was down at fort bragg training like those guys and now a lot of these people are are they're retired they got their own business they're you know and 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 so there's opportunities as people evolve and i've been approached to do some really big contracts where i said there's no way i could staff that and still do a good job we're still a boutique right, or, right. so like like a like right. a like a fine watch company Hey, I need a hundred of these. Sorry, we we can make seven. You know, right, right. Um, and um, so there's there's ethics and integrity involved in growing yourself and expanding. And and I've done, and I could show you stuff that would make you salivate. Not, and you wouldn't get jealous. And that was the point you were talking about. Your your friends, you're inspired. I I can I have a picture of me in Rome, on vacation with my wife, sitting on on a deck where I can see the Colosseum and in the center of Rome. And I took a picture and I'm, I wrote a post going, this is my battle plan to take over the world, to make the world safer. And I'm doing it from what was the center of the world a long time ago. And, and, and I love the history and I love the, like everything about that. And there I am, like, that's the villa, right? And I've traveled around the world as my career has shifted Dennis, it's the same thing as I go where I want. Oh, we got a contract here. It's Wisconsin in January. I'll send one of my team. A gig comes up in Hawaii in January. I go, I'll, I'll teach that one. Right. And so, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you work for yourself, that metaphoric villa and working with a, you know, a cup of coffee, uh, I do that every fucking day here, right? Where, and I forget, I struggle with gratitude because I'm just, I've always been a hustler worrying about the future. And and we did a $17 million deal for the equipment I designed. I don't know if you're familiar with our high gear. Uh, uh, we, we should get into your agency. It's, it's force on force gear that allows people to stress inoculate and evaluate pressure test what you can do uh, or what could happen in a real fight before the real fight. And, um, you know, we, we built it in, in, it took me five years. We launched it in 1993 in 2009, we did a $17 million deal with the U S army. And a week later I was like, Hey guys, what are we doing now? Like, like it was on to the next thing. It was like, there was no, right. So, um, all of this rant and ramble is, I, I love what you said. I love what you heard. I love the message there, but consider that what you want to do is transitory like in three years you might go that was cool what's the next thing because you're not at heart you're an entrepreneur hence this podcast and and these visions of what am i going to do after so yeah i mean i think that's just who i've been my whole life and you know you know tone as we get older uh you get more wisdom and you're constantly taking an education and you're you're learning from those who have been in your shoes before and the struggles they faced and the solutions they found. So, you know, there's a there's a real interesting thing in the business world where, and again, I'm not trying to sit here educating you, I'm educating the audience, 
um, that sometimes you don't have to pave the road. It's already paved. You just got to find the fucking road and follow it. So I had this conversation before with some of my staff. I'm like, look, you know, nobody can say the things that we're doing are wrong. It's just, are they the most right? And right. if the per, I know the question that I'm going to get volleyed back when I go to this meeting on Friday with a, a very, very large name individual is going to be, but why? And I'm going to explain because we're looking to have a bigger impact. Um, there's a lot of things, and I don't want to make it sound like it's just that. There is uh, other things that I don't want to say they're selfish, but I think they're selfish in the sense for me to be selfless. So um, to be able to provide for others and give more back and reach my full maximum potential. Because I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I would have found that out earlier um, when the answer was there the whole time. So I'm 41 going on 42. I've learned enough things the hard way. I'm also not fearful, like fuck fear. Right. Bro, I literally tell people some of the be most consistent advice I give people all the time when I try to give them life advice or business advice. I go, you know, this is the one common denominator I see all the time on why you're not progressing forward or living the life you should be living. And it's because you are letting fear dictate your actions. Right. This anxiety, and somebody said to me recently, well, I didn't think I had anxiety. I go, you're afraid to go somewhere there. There's nothing to be afraid of. Because in your brain, all these bad things have happened before you've even tried it. Right. I don't give a fuck what the repercussions are. I try to make um, you know, educated decisions. Like I said, I don't want to learn things the hard way. You learn as you go. You make better decisions as you become older and older. But- I never let the fear dictate. I, I'm just so, so comfortable with understanding that things are going to be okay no matter what. And I trust me. One of the first things I've learned is how to trust myself. You know, yeah. you trust yourself. You're in good shape. Remember, I went to a woman. She said, "I said, you know, I'm I, so I am retired from the police department." She said, "You know, I said I'm retired. I'm nervous." I said, she goes, "What are you thinking? Be outside of a 7-Eleven beg, begging for change?" I go, "No." She goes, "So what are you nervous about? You're fine. You're going to be fine. You're a smart guy. You'll figure it out. You seem like a hard worker." And that was before we had all these things going on. Um, and I probably didn't want to hear it then, but she was right. And that's one of the first things I learned how to do what to do is once I proved it to myself a little bit, now I just know myself and I trust me. Uh, and as, as, as crazy or maybe narcissistic as that sounds, a lot of people need to find that in their heart, in their mind, that as long as you trust you and you know that you'll outwork and be resilient from any situation that may come about because of a decision you made, decisions just become so much easier. You know, that's, that's my advice. No, it's a hundred percent. And I, and I will say this not to blow smoke up your ass, uh, but that's very wise for 42, especially in, in, in this age where, where fear. 41, is, 41 tone. Don't make me old. 41. I thought you were, <laughs> you don't look a day over 55 actually. The, uh, the, it's because uh, I grew my gray beard out. That's why. Right. right? I'm, I'm, I photoshopped a gray beard on you while we we're talking, just a little. <laughs> but the, um, no, but it was the, the, like listening to you. So, another part of my business, I got four verticals in my company. One is our gear company, one is our spear system training for, you know, public safety and martial artists. The other is, you know, private coaching I do, but our no fear program, spelled K N O W, no fear. Uh, and, and it, and part of fuck fear. So for those of you on Spotify watching this, um, you can see the, you know, the sign on my wall, those of you who are just listening to it, it says fuck fear. And some people think, oh, what a crass American, you know, guy, blah, blah, blah. No, it's actually an acronym and it's the foundation 
uh, it, it's a foundational strategy to making decisions under duress. So fuck fear stands for face it, understand it, control it, know it. K N O W get to know fear. You remember the no fear company, the, the, uh, you know, yeah. uh, the adrenaline company. Well, there's no such a thing as no fear, uh, except in, and even I like, I know some guys, I know some of the best fighters in the world that, that, you know, fight at a UFC and, and world world level. I'm friends with tier one operators who hunt bad guys, uh, badass cops, uh, uh, guys that like friggin', you know, jump off of uh, like base jumpers and things like that. And I, I, I investigate the psychology of fear. I'm fascinated by that. And part of our no fear program states that two, two, two major, major pillar principles, the people who manage their fear manage to fight doesn't guarantee victory, but it guarantees you're in the fight. And which means whether you win or lose, you've got your dignity, your sense of self, because you did, you did fight. You didn't just, you weren't a pinata. You didn't just get your, you know, rolled over or hide under a desk. The other uh, uh, concept is that you can't be brave if you're not afraid. That there is no bravery. There's no courage without the presence of fear. And if you listen to recently George St. Pierre and a bunch of stuff from Mike Tyson and people talking about how they were always afraid and how they use that. Now, some of this is semantics. So, for example, if somebody says, Dennis, you should do this and your just personal MO is let me let me think that over and you sit in it and maybe you get butterflies in your stomach that would be fucking scary if i did that but you're like you're tactical about it right let me let me research this let me call up i got these three you know mentor confidants what do you think of this what do you think of this like the fact that you're investing in other people's experience and having them guide you that's fear management but it doesn't look like I'm scared and not doing anything, right? So if someone says to you, I'll talk to you, but it's going to cost you 25 grand. If you went, oh, that's all, and you wrote a check, nothing. But if you went, fuck, is this guy nuts? And it could be one grand, it could be whatever. But if if you hesitated, I always tell people, a fear spike of any type creates doubt. Doubt creates hesitation. Hesitation creates procrastination. So... If if you get somebody who says, "Hey, I want to be on your show," and you look at him, go, "Should I have this guy on my show?" Look at his bio. I don't know if I. I mean, I like controversy, but this guy's this is like that's fear at work, but it's not a pejorative fear that stunts growth and self actualization. It's the fear of the fuck fear. It's face it, understand it, meaning look at it, do the research, and now you might go. If we go back to your investment in other in other people to 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 grow and find the most efficient path towards your goals, and you go, okay, I discussed this with my wife. We're taking this money. We're doing this. We're doing that. It's not like startle flinch fear. It's it's you know responsible fear. And and I love to uh, the play on word is I spell responsible or responsibility with a hyphen. Are you response able? Are you able to respond? Do you know what to do? But fear has been demonized and it's certainly been weaponized in the last few years. So my whole my whole thing in this other vertical of the company is to get people to live a life of recognizing that you got your comfort zone, you got your discomfort zone, you got your holy shit zone. And if you had somebody that said to you, hey, here's what you should do next. And it if you do this, it'll guarantee you'll be living in, you know, uh, on the beach somewhere 
doing that thing and it involves this and it was way outside your comfort zone you might go holy shit that's why i named it the holy shit zone where someone says you should do this the holy shit and you know uh in your capacity in law enforcement there might have been a bunch of things where where something was about to go down and you knew imminent was going to be about to become immediate and there was like a moment where you paused and you went fuck oh, i wish backup were here i wish we had more holy shit here we go but you manage the fear and then you, your training and your belief in yourself and all that comes together so this is really kind of my mission now after after 40 fucking years of studying violence fear and aggression I realize this people can't be brave if they're not afraid that if the people who manage their fear manage the fight and then it's the most important part of the fuck fear acronym is the C to control it because there are going to be things in our lives where fear will be present and I can name a bunch of them and 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 you can if if you don't know how to look at fear as fuel meaning as a an organic energy system to support what you need to do next it will make you avoid what you do next or delay what you do next and that's the most dangerous thing is because any fear spike creates doubt doubt creates hesitation hesitation creates procrastination self-awareness says i'm fucking i'm procrastinating here draw your gun hit this guy uh, get the hard cover get a divorce go to magic marriage therapy ask them to marry you quit your job become an entrepreneur if the 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 day the when you've said to yourself one day i should start a podcast how long after you had the initial inspiration did you launch do you remember well so i'm going to tell you a couple i'm going to hold on to that question for a second okay i'm going to tell you a couple oh shit mo my holy shit moment which uh, yeah. is a, it's worth a share i Sure, I've spoken about it in the past, but you know, I just want to say this: that again, I am smart enough now to know that there are people who know better than I do because they've been on this planet longer than I am, and some of them might be just a little more intelligent than I am. Although I consider myself an intelligent person, um, and one of those people, essentially, where I pretty much find how to live my life, and I'm proud of it, is an author named Seth Godin. And if nobody's sure. followed Seth Godin before, the guy just he, he, if you're a big thinker, this is the man that you need to listen to because he will give you thoughts and theories that I honestly haven't seen him miss yet, not once, uh, on anything that he's talked about. Now, with that being said, you know, one of his theories is fear is your North Star. Use it as a compass. I tell this story before, uh, probably many times in the I podcast. But when I went to, uh, when we did our first conference, was October 21. But originally, I think it was... I think it was going to be in May of 20. So maybe a year before that or 18 months before that, I signed the contract with Harris in Atlantic City. It's where we decided we're going to be here in New Jersey for our first conference. Said, hey, you know, listen, we're here. This is where our home base is. We have the most following here. This is where our courses go on. This is where we started. I know that my people who I've started with 10 years ago in the police training industry are going to show up and support. So that's the decision I made. So I came home. I went to Harris. Uh, we had a meeting there. I signed the contract and I owed Harris 100,000 bucks. Right at that time, 100,000 bucks was a lot of money for a guy like me. Um, not that it isn't now, but it's just a different game now. Um, not only was it 100,000, but that's at least what I just understood at that moment, what it was going to cost me. So I uh, came home and I was taking my shoes off. So in my living room, when you come through my foyer, 
the living room just is that one step down living room. It's not really sunk. It's not like that 70s fucking weird thing. It's just a step down right. into a nice formal living room, uh, family room, sorry, next to the kitchen. It's an open format uh, flooring, you know, uh, design. So I was taking my shoes off. I can never forget. I was leaned over, taking my shoes off. And I looked over my wife. I said, hey, uh, I signed a contract with Harris today. She said, for what? I said, for that conference I want to do. And I said, uh, and then like it was a pause. And I said, um, so no matter what, I owe Harris a hundred grand. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, if zero people show up, I'm on the hook now legally for a hundred racks. And believe me, I ain't trying to fight the Caesars LTD fucking sure. conglomerate, right? You're not going to win. They're You're worth $68 billion. So she looked at me and said, so you'll, no matter what happens, you owe them a hundred grand. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, I won't sink the ship. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't bet all the chips, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good chunk of change. And she said, um, but what if nobody comes? I said, nah. She goes, what do you know about running a conference? And I said to her, what have I known about doing anything that I've done so far? And she went, that's a very good point. And, you know, I'm at the point at that time where my success is obvious. You can't hide it anymore. People now want to try to absorb some of that energy. They're looking for some guidance in their life. It went from ha, ha, ha to oh, ho, ho, right? Because before, when you start telling people, this is what I see, this is what I want to do, um, you know, and I guess sometimes in your mind, when you're trying to do things, you're trying to prove to people in the beginning, like, you can do this. You might know yourself you can do it, but you're trying to prove it. And I've talked about stories of this. I remember my father laughing at me when I said, we're going to move out of my two-family house with my three kids. And he said, when are you going to move? I said, I'm thinking about a year. And I said, this is what we're looking at. This is the price range we're shopping in. But in my father's mind, he could not fathom the idea that we would spend that much money on a house or move to this area and have this big of a house. And he laughed. And I'll never forget about nine months later when I, after we already were under contract on the house, I said, you want to come see the house? And he walked and said, I can't believe it. I go, don't believe it yet. Closing's in about three weeks. Then you can fucking believe it. And, you know, um, I think that was a moment where people were like, all right, this motherfucker's on it. I mean, you can't make this shit up. Nobody gave him a goddamn thing. Right. You know, I'm the first person in my family living in a house that looks like this. Not that's not why I did it, but like it's clear that you're the I, one. I, yeah, I, not was it the one, but I was, the, I was also the one to do wonderful things for everybody else. But you know, with that, I constantly throw on thick layers of humility as much as possible. I'm confident, but I'm not conceited. And then people get that confused a lot. So I'm confident. And when I say to you, hey, this is where we're going. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I want it to look like. Don't confuse that with conceit. Now, my holy shit moment, I will give you this one and then I'll let you do your thing. Um, when I left the police department, people kind of know my story a little bit. I got involved in a barbershop. I kind of walked away from the barbershop. Not going to go into details on that. Why? That's the only business I ever had that I had a partner on. And that's when I learned that having a partner is very difficult. So. You know, at the same time, I was doing street cop training, very, very hobbyish, and it was just doubling numbers every year, which was crazy because you start doing the compounding effect on growing 100% every year. And I wasn't even almost, I was almost not even touching it. And then I had a real estate team and the real estate team was doing really well as well. So I was, you know, within about three years, I'll uh, just some candid numbers for a guy who's a cop, grew up in lower middle class, just in the real estate field, I was making a quarter million dollars a year for my third year. This is very unheard of in a in a real estate field. So, and the reason I say this is unheard of, because it really is, but it's also going to lead up to the point of the story. 
So I found myself with everything really exploding and going well, getting stretched very thin, very amateur in business at the time. Not that I'm some fucking novice because I got my slice of humble pie dished out to me yesterday by somebody who's doing way more than I am. And it was wonderful. And it, it actually made me so happy. I almost got emotional about it. It was so good for me to get a nice big fat slab of humble pie. Mm. Uh, I really needed to eat that. And I'm so thankful. But I went and uh, met with Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and, and, um, just had this opportunity. And I said, I have the video, uh, have you seen the video, Frank? Okay. And I said to him, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And he was from the town next to me. Actually, we have a lot of mutual friends. And, uh, you know, I said, what, what do you think I should do? And he said, I think you should punt the fucking real estate. And I went, yeah, but I'm, like, dude, I went from that town to this town and like, we have things and like, I, I have two acres and like the house is beautiful and we're talking about getting a pool and like, my wife drives an Escalade. Like, I'm like, bro, like, I like this life. Like, I, I'm I'm like so happy uh, that I am less poor now. Like, it's just so nice to be less poor. And like, I can do like, like pay for my kid's school and like all these wonderful things. And he's like, no, nah. he's like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But um, you should get rid of it. And I'm like, mm. fuck. And then he said at the end, he goes, if nothing else, if nothing else, go 75 on a police training stuff, go 25 on real estate. He's like, nothing else. And I never forget, we walked out. My friend Nick at the time said to me, I'll never forget waiting for the fucking uh, valet to bring. I had, a, I had an Audi at the time, an Audi A6. It was my first hot shit car. And I thought it was hot shit, right? So um, they pull it up and, he, we, and he, as we're waiting for the car, he goes, so what are you going to do? And I went, Nick, I don't fucking know. I mean, you know, I, I, I've got to put some real thought into this, man. I mean, you know, we're listening to a guy who's obviously extremely successful and um, clearly knows better than I do. But dude's a lot. It's a quarter million dollars. And, you know, Tone, just like you said, I, I probably sat on it for about six weeks, maybe eight. I was still scared a little bit about just completely remove myself from real estate. But I came to my wife and I said, hey, remember the last time I said we're going to do like take one step back, take three steps forward. And like I did that instead of this. And they're like, ended up being better for us if you just were patient a little bit more. And she said, yeah. And I said, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave real estate. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, and dude, I like had, I'm telling you, this thing was exploding. Like motherfuckers, people mm -hmm. still to this day hit me up five years later. And I'm like, are you still in real estate, dude? Cause we're going to sell. Um, but I said, uh, she goes, what does that mean? And I go, well, that means you got to cool off on the credit cards for a hot minute, right? Like this just can't be what it, what it once was. And she goes, well, how long do you think it's going to take before you make up the difference? between that and street cop training. And I said, uh, you know, he said 72 months. I know me, I think 18 to 24, but, uh, you know, I, I would think 18 to 24 months and I go, you know, it goes fast. And she's like, oh, she, and she was cool. She's like, all mm -hmm. right, you know, like I trust you and da da da. And dude, I got to tell you, I made it up in nine months. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the Street Cop Podcast, do us a favor and go give us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Tell a friend. We don't charge anything for the episodes. We appreciate your support. Check us out on any social platform by putting into the search bar, Street Cop Training. Give us a follow. We have a lot of free content coming out every single day that you might not catch here on the podcast. And it's important for you to be able to do your job more professionally. And we also entertain you as well. Nice. I made the deficit in nine months. And I got to tell you, um... I'm glad that I did. I don't have a regret about it. But when you talk about the fear, that's how I embraced it. I just had to understand it. My fear's a little different now, Dr. Tony, um, in the sense that I have a lot of responsibility. 
I'm not afraid to make the moves, but I'm wise enough to know that I need to collect enough data. So when I leap, not that I'm trying to quell the fear, it's just I'm not stupid enough to just go, ah, ah, ah. As an entrepreneur, right, you've got to learn how to corral the impulses and the, and the obsessions. So I'm like, all right, we've made plenty of mistakes in the past. Let me try to get as calculated as I can and then leap. I'm like, I'm right. I'm just packing my fucking chute, waiting for the guy to point and go, that's where you want to land right there. I'm fucking right. I'm jumping, brother. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a fuck. And I want to make sure that I'm serving everybody to the best of my ability to ensure that 16 full-time, 17 full-time staff members we have here and everybody in the law enforcement community in the world, including my family and my friends, they all get served properly on my ability to make a good next call and pick my next route that I'm going down. Because I got to tell you, I just know that, again, we're doing a lot of things right. But somebody might say, yeah, you know, some of this stuff's right. Yeah, you're right. Like, dude, that's really good stuff. But here's four other things I think you should be doing. And you probably see your way to the, to where you're trying to go. And dude, when you say goals, it's not like I have this like number in my mind of I need to make this much money. Actually, every decision I make now is not dictated by money anymore because I've been able to satisfy that need in my life where I like the way I live. It's not ridiculous. There's not a Lambo in my driveway. I don't need one. Uh, I have a nice car in my garage. I haven't taken it out in six weeks. I don't even think about it. Um, I like to take it out during the summer, maybe to look dinner or something like that. I'm not going to, you know, it's paid off. I have a nice pickup truck. Um, and I don't think about anything else materialistic wise. I think about what I can do to reach my full potential. And when I say those things about like living on the water and working, I don't think that's what I'm shooting for. I think that's, if you said like, where would you want to live? I think that's where I'd be the most Zen and right. would be able to almost be on a, like a, like a half of my time sabbatical where that magic is being tapped into all the time, uninterrupted by the rest of the world. Um, you know, so to me, I could be wrong about that. I might move to fucking Key West and go, whoa, I was wrong. Right. right. I, I could be completely wrong but I'm willing to try it. But now instead of just selling my house, moving to Florida to find out it was bullshit, I'm smart enough to go, let me go rent something there for three months and feel it before I go and fucking drop a million and a half on a fucking condo and fucking in Key West. You know what I mean? Right. And that's my explanation, Mr. Mr. Uh, Blauer. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I love it, man. I mean, you know, this, this is, uh, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. This is really a great discussion for, current and future entrepreneurs. If we go back to, uh, if we go back to one of, one of our mini tangents about, you know, if, if, if 70% of the people on this are in public safety, at some point you're going to retire, what are you doing next? You know, so this is a great conversation for that. The, just remember the, the situational awareness is everything in life. And, and as a retired cop, and those of you that are active, you know, if you have no awareness, you have no chance, right? I mean, you've, you've got to pick up a pre-contact cue or the bad guy's going to hit you a run. Um, the situational awareness also applies to your relationship. You know, one day you come home and, and your wife's gone or your husband's gone and you go, I just came home and they were gone. No, you ignored all the pre-contact cues, just like a fight. Uh, the same thing happens with finances. The same thing happens with health. How do we improve our situational awareness? We improve our situational awareness only through improving our self-awareness. The only way to improve self-awareness, and a magic thing happens like a byproduct of improving self-awareness, 
is critical thinking improves. When when you can step back and go, when when Vaynerchuk said to you, punt, and I get to see him saying that, uh, you know, hey, punt the real estate. Didn't you get an adrenaline dump like within three seconds, almost like whipping by, driving fast somewhere, whipping by and seeing there's a fucking radar trap, and you're like, fuck, like your your physiology changes. I think remember? what I, well, I, I if I can remember my face, it was like. You know that look when you look at somebody and you're like, fuck, you're right, fuck. But I like, like I was afraid you were going to say that. Right. <laughs> but I never thought you were going to say it, but I'm glad that you did. Right. And now like, this is a major moment in my life. And, you know, I'm I'm very defensive of anybody who's critical of Gary Vaynerchuk because I got to tell you, um, that dude changed my life. And actually, right. it's one of the people I'll be seeing this week um, nice. that's on the agenda. Uh, and that's not like some brag here. I, I bought my way into it. I'm not fucking meeting up with him for fucking Danishes and tea because we're friends. Anyway, I um, that moment was like, oh man, I, that's that's how I can. It's almost like, you know, you're just like, like that's just that moment. Uh, adrenaline, more of a shock than like a, like a fight or flight feel, right? Uh, and maybe more of an epiphany. And I don't want to lose the feeling of that moment. And I certainly, even yesterday, getting really, really good advice from a very, very intelligent person who gave me the slice of humble pie, who became instant friends with. And I'm so thankful that he came to my life. Can we talk about um, her in private? Or uh, we'll do this after because I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got I it. don't know if I want to say it, uh, but no, fuck, we'll I guess I could say it, right? There's a difference. So Mike Glover from the uh, Black Rifle Coffee Bu buddy, uh, podcast. Good buddy of mine. Very smart guy. Yeah. Mike is uh, really gave me some pro profound advice. and. You know, I said to him, listen, dude, I, I love it. You just got to give me a little time to process it. It's like when I go see my therapist. We're loading things in for 45 minutes. And she's like, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, today's Wednesday. By Saturday, I have all this stuff filed away and exactly where it needs to be. And she actually gives me credit at times. I don't go very often anymore. I'm not trying to downplay the importance of that. Um, I had a tough time in my life and she helped me through it. I'm very thankful for that. But she'll say to me, she's like, you know, you're, pretty much one of my only clients that I see a week or, you know, every so often that I know that when you leave here, everything that I'm giving you, you put right into play. And I'm like, well, I mean, I've chosen you after being 30 years as a medical, uh, you know, a mental health professional that you're probably going to know what the fuck you're talking about. So I should probably listen to your advice and try to do this shit myself. And I've right. come here for answers. I'm not even trying to analyze some of the stuff about me all the time. It's about other people and how I'm supposed to behave around these other people when they are experiencing whatever they're experiencing. So I'm very thankful. And I think she's been a very good example of how to have unbiased compassion for others to try to understand where they're coming from. And I kind of lost that a little bit. I'm trying to really re-implement that in my life. But, you know, so I'm really good at listening to others. And, you know, I like getting humbled every so often. But, you know, Mike was very kind to me yesterday. We hit it off. Um, you know, I, I got a funny feeling that him and I could be really good friends very quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very thankful for the stuff that he gave me. And it was almost, almost similar to the Gary V experience where, you know, Mike's doing a lot more than we are essentially. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was really interesting to hear his take on what he would prescribe for some things that I should change immediately. And I have to just think about those things to ensure that I can draw the roadmap of how to transition to some of that stuff. And, right. and what are, 
what that looks like for me versus what it looks like for him. How similar is it? How, how different is it? You know, do I tweak a little bit to fit the street cop training? So there's a lot of stuff with that. But yeah, that's that's that was some of that stuff, Tom. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah. No, Mike's a, a, an amazing role model for transition, what he's done with Fieldcraft and, uh, um, you know, you know, his training and his voice and his platform is uh, de- definitely a leader in, in, well, in he's good. Industry. Yeah. And he's ahead of me. I mean, like there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. He's clearly ahead of me. And I got a funny feeling that and I told him yesterday, I said, bro, I haven't met a lot of people in my life that I knew I was talking to literally my mirror. Um, and I just think you have more time in the field. Uh, street cop training essentially has, I'm not sure to make excuses, but he's got double the time in the game than I do. Um, so street cop training essentially has been my 100% effort for the past, I don't know if it's four or five years now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's nothing to be snickered at. And I'm certainly proud of what we've done. But I'm also not, again, just like you, not celebrating. For me, it's like, there's a lot more to this fucking mountain. I don't know what you guys are all sitting around drinking fucking coffee for and smoking cigarettes and having crumpets. It's time to move, man. We got to, and again, it's, it's not because I'm like this deep inner weird childhood thing. It's like, bro, I'm a fucking like, that's who I am. I'm only normal when I'm progressing. I'm only feeling Mm -hmm. great when I'm having progression. I enjoy this thoroughly. Uh, Sometimes in the ringer, I'm not super thrilled with some of the shit that I have to go through. But you know what? At the end of it, I'm like proud of it. I'm proud of the story. Even when I'm in the shit, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I kind of like this so I can tell the story like 15, 20 years from now at a TED Talk or some shit, you know? But uh, the, the, I think that uh, n- not to not to diminish what you just said, but you could be describing me. You could be describing like anyone who truly is an entrepreneur driven by purpose and passion and uh, is going to feel that way. I'm 62. I've been in business. Literally, I started teaching in 1977. Wow. And and uh, started and not charging and professionally since 1980. And was working for my father uh, in the family business from 1980 to, I think, uh, 83, 84. And, and I was teaching seven days a week after working a 40 hour week at his, at his, uh, manufacturer clothing company. And I was like, I can't do both of this anymore. And I'm going to leave and do do what I want to do and what I love. Uh, and, um, this is all I think about. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about drills or, or stuff and I write shit down or record it or, or, or I, 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 st- I still do that. Like this morning while doing some breathing exercises, I, you know, I, I thought of like nine things I was going to do to onboard new police departments into, you know, this relationship between how do we improve mental health resiliency, make people safer in the field and and limit attrition and improve morale. And our our there's elements of our system that can do that, that other systems I know aren't addressing because I've been around. And I share this because I'm 62 and I've got the toys the cars, the watch, the, the, the house, the, all of that, that stuff. Um, and cause it's, cause it's fun. If you're successful, like you said earlier, like, like having somebody said to me years ago, uh, you know, money can't buy you happiness. And I looked at them, I said, well, if I'm going to be miserable, I want to be rich. Um, uh, I'd rather be rich with, with nice stuff. Sorry. Thank you. Um, and it's not about being, you know, being facetious and everything, because if you can't, and it's not about work-life balance, if you can't, 
also enjoy what you're doing and enjoy what you're building. And like you said earlier, serve people. Uh, I get uh, uh, emails and letters from people I've never even met who've used our stuff to, to transform a violent, either emotionally, psychological, spiritually, or physical violence in their lives. And um, I'm regularly sharing that with people, with my wife. Look at this letter I got from this person. And, uh, you, you know, uh, it's it's nuts. That stuff still, when we touch somebody or give them, inspire them to, to, to face their fear in any confrontation, uh, it's insane. You know, like the gratitude I feel and how emotionally... Um, uh, emotionally touched I I can get so I get this you know when you you talk about hey man like we haven't finished climbing the mountain what are you guys doing like resting here you know like chit-chatting that's that's why you're going to be successful or continue to be successful and it's, it's the same thing you know with me I mean look three weeks to flat two weeks to flatten the curve uh as a boutique company all of my clients for for our high gear and our spear training, like ninety seven percent of that was in person training with public safety professionals, who were now deployed. Then they were ostracized and defunded. Then the political machines were like, "Hey, you're not doing any training. You know, nothing combative sounding." Like I went, I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars like this uh, when it was three months in. We can't. We had canceled or postponed thirty-five classes that represented over a half a million dollars in in-person training as a boutique company. I was sitting in my office, like literally, it's, it felt like somebody stuck a fucking shop vac vacuum up my ass. It was sucking out my insides. Where I suddenly went, "Oh my god, I'm going to lose everything. I will not be able to take care of my family." And all the way down from the security of my family to, I'm going to fucking lose my house. I'm going to lose. Because there was no money coming in. And I gave myself 24 hours to commiserate and fucking feel sorry for myself that I hadn't prepared for a pandemic before a pandemic. Uh, and But it was all about managing fear. And I called up my team and I said, here's where we're at. We need to fucking pivot real fast. And those who manage the fear manage the fight. And you can't solve a problem if you're the fucking problem. What are we going to do? And within three months, we had three new websites. We had a battle plan. We started uh, teaching online and 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 saved the company. I mean, like like literally it was done. We, we you know, we, we had a plan. Uh, but it all came down to, again, recognizing that fear. And you use something like you, you, you said earlier that uh, um you know, you, you got some advice, but you had to mull it over. You had to research it. You had to collect your data. You had to, that's all fear management. It's just that we type A personalities don't like to use the word fear. And some people don't. You may be part unicorn where you go, man, I fucking just trust myself and I will jump into the fire. and I know I'm going to figure it out. And I've got that too. But I also recognize that I've been afraid my whole life that I worry about things as I got three kids. I worry about my kids. I worry about the, the world. What I what I can do, and this was that thing I was I was kind of trying to make clear uh, that when we get a fear spike, and it could be like uh, it could be a tweet, it could be an Instagram post, it could be a pain in your side where you go, "What the fuck's that?" You know, you 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 wake up and you got a toothache; it doesn't go away. Two days later, it's getting worse. 
There's no way your brain doesn't go, is that root canal? Do I need my wisdom teeth done? Fuck, I don't fuck. But most people don't call their dentist right away and go, I missed you. I think I think you need to pull my teeth out or I think I need an operation. What we do when we have some sort of psychological or physical pain, we wait because we don't want to address it. And, and the danger in business, and that's that situational awareness, self-awareness connection, is that the opportunity, like like violence loves speed and business loves speed, as Vaynerchuk says, right? If you wait too long, you follow Hormozy too, I bet. Um, you know, is like like, you know, he he recently, Alex Hormozy said recently that if if you've got all the answers to make a decision, then you've missed your opportunity. Right. Yeah. At some point, you've got to fucking leap, but you want to do it, as as you said, and I agree with it. And that's the fuck fear acronym. Just you're doing it intuitively. I, I've 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 got this opportunity or this challenge or this concern or this issue. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to face it. You know, when Vaynerchuk says punt punt the real estate, your intuition went. That's yeah. I can't. I cannot be dancing at two weddings. I got to commit to this that's the face it then it's like okay how am i going to do that that's the understand it and then it's like okay six weeks have gone by i'm going to pitch this to my wife because she's my partner and i need my muse i need my muse to fucking support what i'm going to do that's the control it and then even then there's a okay i'm about to walk into the bank to get a loan or i'm about to get this investor or i'm about to buy out my partner there's a moment where you you know it's not just like cavalier it's like and it could be the same thing as you know if you think back to like a fight you had where you know there's there's three other cops there and a really big bad guy you know and you go i'll cover you you get it he goes no i'll cover you you get it and you're like oh, okay i guess i'm going and you go but you know you're going to do it but you're managing the fear and then when you do that enough, you know this from training, it's called stress inoculation. And that's what happens in business. We get enough reps, we stress inoculate, and then we can make faster decisions when that similar stimulus, uh, you know, faces, we're faced with that stimulus in, in advance again. You know, I think that where I see people's Achilles heel is in the fear. Um, I have friends that are successful. I actually have friends that are very polar opposite. I have ones that's very successful. When I take my two most successful friends, one that is very successful and will tell you that he overanalyzes shit way too much. And you can't, listen, you can't snicker at the motherfucker's success. Right. Um, but he really, really, de- and I don't know how much he's missed because he's managing the conservative nature of his being and, right. and missing opportunity and growth. Now, again, you can't snicker because this dude's living a life and has a net worth way beyond a lot of people that and, and comes from nothing. And I don't even know what he's worth. Uh, I don't even ask him. He's not one of those people who likes to. But because I think he's one of those people who doesn't like and then my other friend who is also very, very successful, who sat in here and tell me my face all the time, like, dude, I got to learn how to control this shit some more. So he's like a wild fucking O's going wild and he's got proof you know it works but he also realizes he's got to dial it in a little bit this way and the other guy realizes i tell him things i go you could dial it up this way a little bit so you know some of the things that you're missing all of us are missing is we're so into it that some of these basic principles of what is the formula of success are the things we need to dial in 
and say, here's the five pillars of success and what it looks like and why. Where did we forget three and, and, and five? I, you guys were just in it. You're forgetting about it. So for me, it's so interesting because I'm, I told them when I sang out them last, I'm like, you know, guys, I always feel like I'm trying to get you to acknowledge me and like recognize me as one of you. That's what I'm always doing. I realize that in our conversation. But at the same time, I also know that you guys come to me for different types of advice where you need to hear the things that I'm saying because I don't know why I'm just a little more enlightened than you are in some sense. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that's it's the path a, it's, I've been yeah. It's an interesting, interesting observation that do you, do you still feel that with certain people that you, you want to be recognized or acknowledged? Yes. Yeah. And it, and it's, this is, this is a, a crazy thing. So, you know, I've had conversations where people come over and they see how I live and where I live and whatever. And they're like, man, you made it. And I go, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like I get up every day and I work seven days a week. I actually recently uh, um, decided because of my age, I'm slowing down from eight days a week to seven days a week. Nice. And, Good for you. Uh, yeah. It just, uh, uh, but um, that's, I mean, that's an interesting observation. You've got uh, like acute self-awareness. That, that's very cool. R- recognize of, do you remember who Iggy Pop was? Yeah. Iggy Pop. So it's one of my favorite quotes uh, of his from decades ago. Imagine if desperation were attractive and it's so heavy and it's not that you're desperate or I'm desperate, but if we project that we need acknowledgement at an unconscious level, that will maybe create that type of like vibe where we're not, we're not going to get it. And how do we, how do we just step into just trusting ourselves as you to, to quote you earlier, just be ourselves and, and go in there. I it's, it, there are certain uh, meetings or events that I go to uh, that uh, I go like that one or two guys there is like, Holy shit. I'm like, Oh, God, that's, and, uh, you know, I I remember years ago being invited to a a Gavin DeBecker event and, uh, you know, Gift of Fear, Gavin DeBecker, you know, the company, right? And, um, and I met all their people and they brought me in. I was doing some work with some of their bodyguards. And then this one thing, I'm going to meet Gavin DeBecker and huge, like inspired by him and and his book and all that. And I've already worked and trained and all the all the most of the the team and the staff, they're ex-law enforcement, military, and they know me from all my training. Oh, Mr. Blower, how you doing? Good to meet you. Can I get your picture, the autograph? But you know, I sit at this table for dinner, and there's a seat beside me that's empty. And I go, you know, who's gonna be sitting here? Oh, Gavin's gonna sit beside you. And then he walks in, and I was like, Hi, Mr. DeBecker, I'm a fear management expert too. Like, like I was so fucking nervous. Because I put him on a pedestal and it was just an, an interesting thing. There's certain people in certain situation and it's what it is. It's, it's, we, we, myself, you, if you have the self-awareness to connect that, that's the introspective homework you do before. Why do I need this? Will it affect my behavior or things I'm going to say? I'm going to sit, what my posture is, how funny I'm going to be, or how sharp I'm going to be in a conversation. If unconsciously or consciously, I'm a little bit worried about being uh, uh, recognized 
for, you know, my past accomplishments, which is bullshit at a certain level, right? Because the reason I want to be with this group is to grow. So it's just a, an interesting observation because I have that too, which is bizarre, but it's specific for certain people that I have said, oh my God, this is this is this person, like Mike Glover, right? So I've I've hung out with Mike. I've taught for Fieldcraft. Uh, I've been out there. Um, and uh, I, I'm out there the first time we're meeting. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, like, don't say anything stupid. This is Mike Glover. And he's and he looks at me, he says, uh, he goes, uh, man, when I get older, I want to be like you. I want to grow my company. I'm like, is he talking to me? <laughs> like, and it's just it's crazy the the things that go through our minds and it's controlling that it's nuts so anyways i wanted to share that no no it's it, it's cool shit and um I, i'm glad that this went where it went because i think the message to everybody listening is um hear what we're saying because it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or, or just going through life the things you're hearing are very just principle-based everything that we've talked about on this podcast essentially applies to everything in life. Um, you know, I have a lot of theories on things and a lot of think a lot of my theories, although they may make people uncomfortable, they are true theories. And I sure that over the course of the lifetime of this podcast, it's going to, um, you know, come out. You'll hear some of these theories that have on relationships and this and that and the other thing. And a lot of them are true. As a matter of fact, oftentimes I even trip up my therapist and she's like, yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. I'm like, well, that's my analysis on on the human behavior that I'm seeing in this in this this space. Wouldn't you think that's why that happens? And she's like, well, yeah, yeah, I think that makes actually some sense. And I'm like, and this is somebody who I think is very intelligent, and again, sees right. things from a very non biased position. Um, and I actually learn a lot again back to her, not to just be ADD all over the place, like of like looking at somebody and trying to have compassion for them when nobody else has compassion for them. There are some people I cannot have compassion for. For sure. Uh, they're just, there's not, there's very, very few people. There are some people like I couldn't have compassion for a terrorist who was trying right. to kill a thousand people that I could not have compassion for. That is a, that is a sociopath, psychopath. I don't, they should be lonely for the rest of their lives. Right. Or just thrown off a cliff and we could just fucking end the whole thing, which is probably makes the most sense. But anyway, uh, Tone, you know, I think we should do this again. I'm glad that we chopped it up a little bit to start. We have a lot of good chemistry. I think it's going to be tough to transition into the spear system and the shit that you do in your business. But if you're cool with it and you you can carve out another hour in the future, hour and a half, we'll do it again maybe. I, 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 I would love to, man. I mean, I, I had uh, zero idea where we were, where we were going to go. In fact, uh, you know, I was like, should I wear – usually when I do podcasts, I wear my No Fear shirt because because uh, K-N-O-W Fear shirt because i really think after being on this planet for 62 years that had somebody said to me when i was a kid competitive skier wrestler gymnast tennis player uh the nerves that i was feeling was the way i was fixating on it was detrimental to my progress to my experience my i couldn't hit that flow state because i was worrying about letting down the team or my parents or and I would ask, I'd, I'd be thinking, if I'm so good, why am I so scared? Because nobody talked to me about adrenaline and cortisol and overthinking or, uh, and had somebody taught me how to manage fear or think about fear differently that 
my life would have been, I'd have less gray hair. I would be exactly where I am because I believe I, I somehow was lucky enough and focused enough to turn my passion into my purpose. Uh, and I think that's part of the message for everyone listening is the best of us have fear. The best of us have conversations in our mind. They're unsolicited sometimes. The I, I love the acronym for fear, false expectations appearing real. I'm visualizing something in the future that is kind of concerning me or debilitating me or mobilizing me in the present. So I'm wasting time. And I really believe, uh, Dennis, that that when we understand how to manage fear, we we are better at managing our time because when we're in the fear loop, we're wasting time. So... Um, yeah, I would love to get on another call, even if it's to go deeper into, uh, you know, to help a bunch of cops. What are you going to do after? How do you transition? Uh, you, you talk business or life, fear or or of course, I'd love to talk about this, the, you know, the spear system, because I think I know it saves cops lives and saves their careers. So whenever whenever you want to, let's make that happen. I'm happy to do that. Before we wrap this up, um, you know, in your last spot of talking here, you said, um, you know, as I knew, I wish I knew earlier about the fear that was controlling my life and acknowledging fear. And, you know, I, there's, there's a, I just want to elaborate and expand on that just a little bit. You know, fear does affect your life. And when somebody comes along that teaches you how to manage fear, that's when you have a decision and a choice to make on whether you're going to accept that advice and begin to implement it. Because one thing is listening and another thing is actually employing it. So you can go to all these things you want. You can go to fear management, but you've got to make a conscious decision that, okay, I like the way this sounds. This I'm going to try to practice to live my life. Uh, it's like, hey, man, that guy's got a six pack over there. I don't. I'd like to have one of those. Well, what's he telling you? No carbs, no sugars. Um, you know, working out twice a day, that's what it's going to take to get to this if you're going to go all natural. How long is it going to take? Well, that's going to take, realistically, half a year. It's going to take you six months to have those abs pop out. Uh, and you got to maintain them for a little bit, you know. And you could say, well, that's great, right? That sounds fucking phenomenal. I bet when you take your shirt off at the beach, these girls just go wild. And I'm a single guy, and I want, I want that. It's great to listen to that guy for 10 minutes. But if you don't start implementing what he right. told you, it's going to get you nowhere. So when I say this to people... It's like I fucking stare at, at like these blank faces. And I say these things to people to try to not make them feel bad to create an epiphany uh, of, oh, fuck, I'm at that person. Literally three days ago, somebody that I just recently met said, I didn't ever know that I had anxiety. I go, because nobody ever told you. Because maybe the people around you have anxiety and it seems normal. But right. you're stuck in a situation that you can clearly just begin to remove yourself from almost immediately, but yet you're not leaving. And the first thing you said to me is, not verbatim, but what you said to me was, I'm scared. Over what? And and the answer is you didn't have it, you didn't have a response to that. And then we get into the air butts, the air butts. You gotta fucking acknowledge this shit, man. I, I always have my this vision in my mind of when my life started to change was I want to have a painter paint a picture um where it's like almost like a a knight or a warrior and a bull, like as two clouds coming together, but the knight is just fucking locking on, going straight through the fear bull. And that's really where you unlock some of the most profound things in your life is when you can fucking just face the fucking fear. And people don't want to face the fear early. 
and I think about this shit all the time, man. I'm a big thinker. They have this fear of telling the person they're dating, I don't think you're the person I want to marry. Instead of say, and then taking that because they're afraid of being single again, because they're afraid of not getting laid, uh, because they're afraid that, well, will I find somebody who makes as much money as they do that I can buy the house that I want? And all these fears. And then all of a sudden you're at your fucking wedding day and you're going, what am I doing here? This isn't right. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is five years later when you have three fucking kids and she's hooking up with the neighbor because you've lost that thing and you're hooking up with your coworker or your whoever. Uh, and, and, and this thing's a fucking disaster. And you're now going to pay so much more. You're going to pay so much more dearly on these indecisions or that fear where mm-hmm. if you would have just said a while ago, you know what, listen, uh, you know, I just, I don't think you're the person I'm going to marry. I'm unapologetic about it. Yes. It's going to hurt now, but it's going to save us more later of this pain. And guess what? When you make a decision like that um, in a relationship, six months later, after maybe being alone for a little bit and getting through that part, you might be the person that you were supposed to marry. And that it was a flawless marriage. And you didn't get divorced five years from now, but having fear of even having those difficult conversations with yourself, mm-hmm. with the people in your life, you got to get rid of this shit. You got to get rid of this stuff and you've got to start having the conversation. You know, I have people call me all the time. I want to talk about a business idea. Um, I told the guy the other night, he's like, I want to do this. I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now at the start, I have zero interest in being a partner with you in a business. And going 50-50. So if you want to bring this idea and implement it under the umbrella of Street Cop Training, understand you're a paid employee who I'm going to hand this division to you. And I don't have this division yet, but we can have it here. It's no skin off my back. You want to ride the long tail, the brand of this of this organization, the credibility we have. You're going to want to have to, because you're, listen, you're, I get it, but you're going to listen to me and I don't want to be your partner. And if you don't like that, there's nothing I can do for like, right. Let's, let's not get to the point where we are partners and I never wanted to be your fucking partner. And now we hate each other. And now we're in court and we're fighting. Let me just tell you right now what it's going to look like. You know, you meet a girl. Hey, look, um, I'm this person. Uh, you know, I just want you to know, these are some of the things that have been acknowledged in the past of some of my downfalls. You should probably know this, that sometimes I have these moments where blah, 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 blah. And if you can handle that, I'm telling you this shit now, if you can't, like, let's fucking call it like it is. It may suck now, but I'm telling you, the suck is going to be 80 times harder in five years. Get the suck out. Just fucking rip the Band-Aid off. It's like, you know, here, when we hire people, I just tell them, like, I don't think you're a fit. And people get offended. Why? Well, I, I, I felt like I was, I, was, I was qualified for this position. I know. Here's the problem. You think you're qualified. I don't think you are. I give you a shot. You quit your job that you're that you don't hate that much. You're making 80 grand a year. You come here, you take a pay cut. Six weeks. My intuitions are I was right. I can't stand you. You can't work here. You're not playing well with others. And now you're fucking collecting unemployment. You wish you didn't leave your other job. And I'm the biggest asshole in the world. So let's call it like it is. I'm doing this for quite a while now. I kind of get a feel for when we when I'm jiving with somebody. Yeah, you're a nice person, but you're not going to fit in here. Just like fucking relationships. And, uh, you know, that's a ho- why people have a hard time having those hard conversations. I, I would actually argue that hard conversations are probably the best, one of the best things you can learn to get good at in life. And, and, and you're going to have such a better life at that. Anyway, and, that's my and, point. 
dude, that was amazing. If the street cop shit doesn't work out, you should become a uh, a, a therapist. And uh, the uh, uh, have you seen the new show uh, um, Shrinking on Apple? I it's, have. Uh, it's 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 really it's interesting. I mean, you're 10x what they're doing, but it's this it's this therapist who just says, just fucking do this. Just fucking quit that, or and and everyone else in the in in the practice is like, dude, you can't tell your client it's got to be Socratic. They got to come in at their own. You're there's like, so th- some of those stories there were uh, were fucking epic, man. Uh, and I love it. It might be a Jersey thing too, because every, almost most of my friends from Jersey are, are just so blunt like that, just direct. So um, well, people get that confused. They think that like because we are all blunt, like. In Jersey, motherfuckers tell you straight to your face, like, yo, I don't fucking like you, um, but let's get this fucking at it. Like, we're just always, people are like, oh, that's confrontational. No, no, no. Like, we do this to avoid the bull. I'm not saying there isn't bullshit here, but like, I've also heard in the South, people are all fake, right? Like, I hear like that a lot from people from the South. Like, they're like, yeah, I mean, like, everything's nice here, but these people are full of shit. They'll smile to your fucking face. And then they're right. saying things behind your back. And like, nobody's fucking honest here. I knew I met a woman one time at Wegmans. So I get called there for a lockout, right? I'm in patrol division. I go there and I hear her accent. And I said, you didn't grow up here. She goes, no, I'm from Tennessee. And I said, oh, that's, I'm like, what? I'm like, you live in Jersey now? This is like unheard of, dude. You know what I mean? Right. And she's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because when I came here, I fell in love with all of you so much because you're all so fucking authentic. Where I was living, it was everybody was so fucking fake to your face, and they were all stabbing you right behind your goddamn back, and it was everybody. She goes, I never met people who people are confused that we think you guys are rude. You're not. You're the best people on earth, and that's why people from Jersey will say, I can't leave Jersey because we can't handle the fucking fake bullshit. We can't handle people who like – we're actually not real big rule followers here, right? Nobody follows the rules in Jersey. So when you go to these places where people are like hand job rule followers, it's very, cause like, you know, we're like, everything in Jersey is this, like, hey dude, your contract says this, but who gives a fuck? I'll throw a few extra in, no big fucking deal, right? Just don't forget about me next time and whatever. We're good with that, right? You good with that? Yeah. Bro, I mean, you know, like I get these three extra things in a truck. You want them, the guy's supposed to get them, but just fucking take them, dude. I know you didn't pay for them. Who gives a fuck? Don't forget me next time, right? Then you go other places like, uh, well, you know, the contract says, uh, you know, subsection three here, we can't have more than three people right. on this at the moment. And uh, I'm like, yeah, but they're right there. Like, why can't you just fucking have the guy come over here and just do this real quick? 10 fucking minutes, bing, bang, boom. And they're like, you know, the rules are the rules. And guys right. and girls in Jersey are just like, please fucking get me back to this place where, bro, these people here are your fucking friends. You know what I mean? I'm not saying we don't have our problems, but like, just when you understand New Jersey, but there's that, a reason why people don't fucking want to leave and they always come back because you can't replace the culture here that is misconstrued on a fucking show on MTV. By the way, I was on, I've been on that show just so we're clear tone. Um, that's how Jersey I always say I'm like, if that that's how Jersey and I've been on the show. You can watch episodes yeah. and see me on the show and I'm friends with some of the cast members. Um, nice. But. And that's not a humble brag. That's just me proving how Jersey I am. But you can't find these people. It's why when sometimes you go to other places, like you're in Texas, you meet somebody from Jersey, you're like, we're friends immediately, right? You're from New York, we're friends. It's just a different, we just understand what it means to be bros all the time. And dude, we just talk shit to each other's faces and people are like, y'all are rude. I'm like, no, 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 we're honest. 
<laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't fucking like you, dude, but let's try to get to a place where we can fucking like each other and clear this up. That's it. I love it. I love it. I, 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 we waste, we, as us, as a humanity waste so much time with facades and uh, just cut to the chase. You know, the only resource we can't regenerate is time. And if you think about how much time you've wasted trying to get people to like you, trying to understand why somebody, you know, doesn't like you or presenting and remembering all the bullshit. So the next time you meet them, it's just, I'm with you, man, hundred percent on that. Uh, that was, that you was. Think about how, think about how relieved you feel when you break up with somebody you want to break up with for fucking five months. When right. it finally happens and you're free and you're out for the first night on a Friday night, like, you know what I mean? Like, and you're not worried about this motherfucker anymore. And people are just like, why did you wait five months when you do five fucking months ago? This person was right. not the person you're going to marry and, should be with. And, and you waited and, five months. It, the conversation. It, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be, you know, metaphorically break up. Doesn't have to be just to, just to make this more holistic. It could be you, you finally left the job. You didn't like the relationship. Right. You didn't like uh, the car. You didn't like whatever it is, anything. And, and it's always a kind of, when I peel the onion, it always comes back to that the 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 refractory delay between stimulus response was always because of some psychological fear. It always comes down to it, and it's just it's just not understood. Uh, you know, well, why didn't you? And well, because I didn't know if then and then and now whatever it is. Um, and and the the faster it's that self awareness piece, right? Where we go, something's off here. Feel that dissonance in your body in your mind what's going on here? Why do I got a, a, this, this weird vibe? And then what do I need to say or do next? And the, the, the faster you can make that decision, the better you're managing your time. And the sooner you get to that euphoria, that moment of going, fuck, I can't believe I didn't do this earlier. And that's what everyone feels when they make that shift. Think about this with the weight of fear. Something I talk about all the time. What is the weight of fear? If you're waiting uh, for, uh, a report from your doctor, good news, bad news. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then you finally, they, uh, they call up, they go, Hey, everything's okay. You always stand up. You always go, fuck. You always stand up. You're waiting for a deal to go through and you're waiting and they call up, Hey, we're in boom. There's so whenever we get good news, part of that dopamine response is, is uh, this levitation effect, this metaphoric, and so I always remind people, like, you don't realize this, but fear has this noxious weight on your psyche. And body language is 60% of communication. Think about how many times you've walked into a meeting or into a house, or into a room, and you looked at somebody and went, hey, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, why? what's up? And then like two days later, they go, hey, you know, something's really bothering me. I got to talk. Because most people don't have the self-awareness. They wait with that negative energy for a day, a week, a month, and some in some cases, years. But anyways, we could talk about this stuff. Dude, I, on a, the last thing I want to say is you should, you should talk. I should bring some of my staff members in here because when I walk in and something's not right, I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, I'm fine. And I'm like, what is wrong? To my, and I'm like, let's go to my office right now. And I'm like, and I'll, I do, I'll do, I'm happy to, I'm happy to do this in all seriousness. Like, you know, one day with your team, give me 45 minutes or an hour and I'll, I'll give them the building blocks of the, the no fear formula I've created. And it'll, it'll change the speed of communication with you. You'll love it. They'll love it. Happy to do it for you. It's awesome, dude. Well, listen, Mr. Blower, you're the man. Um, 
And I appreciate you taking your time out of your day to be here and cool shit to come. And it's always exciting. I didn't know when I started this podcast that this is where some of my best friendships would develop. So, you know, I want you to know that I consider you a friend of mine and I hope you'd feel the same about me as we all continue to grow together. Me and Mike talked about a lot this yesterday. Uh, It's no surprise to me that you are friends with Mike as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be here with all of you. And hopefully you feel the same about me and just know that I have never, you'll never find a story about me where I wasn't a man of my word and I didn't try to do things to the highest moral regard. So you can always trust that um, whatever you have for me or have with me, that I will always be your friend before uh, I would ever double cross anybody or myself in that sense, because that's who I'd be ultimately uh, jeopardizing. So even in the toughest times for me, where uh, there was questionable moments of judgment, I always take the higher road because it's it's so empty up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, uh, no. And, and it's nice to find people like that as well. Yeah, no, I dig it, man. I appreciate that. And, and you know, the whole you know the the jersey dna is huge it'll it'll make uh, conversations and and, uh, and and humor and and growth and evolution way way faster and if we could uh get that that jersey dna in in the water across america and the world uh because things have fucking gotten so weird in the last few years you know we need that critical thinking back and that 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 direct and bluntness and you know the 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 cancel culture thing is a fucking whole other talk another time but dude it was so good i had no idea where this conversation would go it was a blast some of your stories are fucking epic and you know i made that joke if the street cop shit doesn't work out that was a joke obviously it it's 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 necessary and it's successful but uh you'd be a very effective irreverent therapist you know going hey fuck off get out of my office go do this now right and <laughs> if people did it um they they'd be better off cuz uh you know, uh, we can't regenerate time and we're all fucking wasting time or we're spending time. So we've got to make you a know, choice. I, last thing I'll say is sometimes I say to people, um, I, n- I may not be the voice you want to hear, but often I'm the voice you need to hear. So you can, you can look at it two ways. You can run and stick your fingers in your fucking ears or you can listen up and I'm pretty good at calling it. And you know that things I'm telling you are actually true. So go fucking fix it. Right. Right. Anyway. Well, I appreciate it. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong and at the maximum going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.